Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the 24th day of May. I am Paul White. Thanks for joining me. We are doing a new series in our Tuesday night Bible study where we examine the church. We actually posted a sermon last week titled The Church. It's really the kickoff to a series of studies on what the church looks like in the New Testament concept primarily, but focused Uh, on the book of Acts, because that's where people think of the church. And we're going to take a look at the church as it grows up in the book of Acts and what that might mean for us today. We hope you'll join us in this series. We post the full-length sermons of these meetings on Wednesdays, so therefore it'll be up tomorrow as we're heading into our second week of this look at the church. Well, part of the church are some of the roles that take place within the church. Yesterday we dealt with the, we're, we're dealing with Paul's letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. It just so happens that we are in the third chapter where Paul deals with some of the offices. And that first office is the office of bishop, overseer, you might even say pastor. And then the office of deacon kicks off in the eighth verse. But the translation there is not necessarily what we think of as deacon. It's really closer to the phrase minister which could mean someone who assists in the church. I think it could also mean someone who literally gets up and ministers the word. It's not necessary that the bishop or the pastor be the one who delivers the word, but the minister would be one who does exactly that, but also other things. He ministers to the needs, and therefore it's often translated deacon. I know I skipped something yesterday, and you're probably thinking, man, How did you skip right over that? That should have been talked about. Well, I saved it because it's in both passages. And that is the phrase that he should be um, married only once from 1 Timothy 3.2. We get into the same thing in the deacon passage. Today, we're not going to skip it. We're going to put them both together. Let's read from verse 8 through verse 13. Deacons likewise must be serious, not double-tongued, not indulging in much wine, not greedy for money. They must hold fast to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them first be tested. Then, if they prove themselves blameless, let them serve as deacons. Women, likewise, must be serious, not slanderers, but temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be married only once, and let them manage their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. I'm going to talk about two things. First of all, let's talk about that phrase that they must be married once, um, married only once. What is this? What is the translation here better? It's actually husband of one wife, both in the bishop and both in the minister or the deacon. So it has less to do with divorce, something that would have been extremely rare in that era, especially among Jewish Christians, And it has more to do, it seems to have more to do, with opposing the popular practice of polygamy that was was in their society and has resurfaced in multiple societies over the years. In fact, is still a thing in some societies, polygamy. Um, Paul wants to see his bishops, his pastors, his deacons as having one spouse. And I think the reasons for this are multitudinous, but there's one that seems to rise above all of them to me. And that is that marriage is a reflection 
of our relationship with God, and we are not in relationship with multiple gods. And thus, we aren't in relationship with multiple spouses. And it seems to be that if you look at the Genesis definition of marriage, in which the man leaves father and mother, cleaves to his wife, he, he makes himself part of her and her part of him, um, that brings us back to the completion that looks like Adam and Eve. And remember, Adam Eve was taken out of Adam. Marriage seems to be the spiritual reunion of what was taken out of Adam's side. And when God pulled Eve from Adam, he didn't pull two women from Adam. He pulled one. And that seems to be the reason that God says that you marry and you're made one flesh, not three flesh, two flesh. So that seems to be a reflection then in the early church of the relationship that God has with us, but more specifically, according to Ephesians 5, the relationship that Christ has with his church. Paul's fifth chapter of Ephesians' argument about marriage as Christ, you know, husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church, seems owed hat to us, but would have been quite path-breaking in its day. Would have been Paul's way of saying, let me explain to you why we we marry one person and why we marry one time. Because it's much in the same way that Christ has married us and only us. That he is married to us and has given himself to us. That handles that one. That 11th verse, let me read into it. Let's go 10-11. Let them be first tested. Then if they prove themselves blameless, let them serve as deacons. Women likewise must be serious, not slanderers, but temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be married only once. It seems like, and I think I even said the other day, that Paul diverts for a second into a statement about women. Um, but I don't know. that We could be in the situation we were in the other day where the context is less about women and more about wives. So it's possible that what Paul says is necessary likewise for their wives to be dignified, not slanderer, sober, faithful in all things. Let husbands be husband. Let the minister be husband of one wife and lead their children to the household well. It could also mean... And this is, we don't know. It could be that Paul's actually describing the qualifications for a female deacon as well. Um, and if deacon is the ambiguous term that could mean minister, we could have a situation here in which Paul is describing the actual qualifications for female minister, which leads us back to the context of the end of chapter 2, where some people believe Paul is being over the top about not having women teach. But as I told you a few days ago, that usage actually seems to be Paul talking to wives about not usurping authority over their husbands and maybe less to do with women not actually teaching. Because let's get down to the brass tacks. If you are anti-women teaching, quit sending your kids to Sunday school with a woman teacher. And if you go, well, up to a certain age, it's okay, then you need to ask yourself what you think that means about a woman's intellectual capacity. And so I, I don't know exactly where Paul's going with it, but I don't, I, I don't really think verse 11, 11 is just an aside. All right, Paul wants to talk about the mystery of their faith, what that means. We're going to try to do that with him tomorrow on the podcast. We'll see you then. God bless.